Do you know someone on your holiday gift list that's looking to cut costs? Consider a Henson razor. Henson razors use quality standard blades that only cost 10 cents each. That means you'll only be spending pennies a month on blades. Compare that to multi-blade cartridges that cost 20 to 30 times more. Over a couple years, that special someone on your list will save hundreds and get a safe and smooth shaving experience along the way. To learn more and to get 100 blades for free, go to hensonshaving.com holiday. Hey, can I tell you a secret? The secret to getting a great shave without any nicks, cuts, or irritation isn't three or four blades, a soap strip, or a swivel head. It's just supporting the blade. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just supporting the blade. Don't let it flex or bend. That's the secret to limiting shaving irritation. At Henson Shaving, we use our 20 years of aerospace manufacturing to keep the blade from moving. It's not the coolest answer, but it's the right one. To learn more and to get 100 blades for free, go to hensonshaving.com holiday. This is an official download from thecustardtv.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Custard TV podcast. It's Matt once again, uh, back with you uh, to talk telly for an hour or so. Uh, joining me today, we have a lady who's desperately trying to eat a pizza after this podcast. It is Dawn. Hello. Yes, I've actually, I'll give you an insight. I've eaten one and a half slices. That was all I managed to squeeze in before we started. I knew I would burp profusely if I carried on, so I thought I sh- I won't do that. I won't. I make the view the view if the listeners suffer enough with my voice, I won't add burping to the pain. Someone who was meant to have sporting commitments this afternoon has been desperately trying to explain to two Brits what kickball is. It's Mo Walker. How are you, Mo? <laughs> it's a red rubber ball, you know. You kick a red <laughs> rubber ball and and you run around some bases. I mean, it does what it says on the tin, really, Mo? I suppose. Yeah, it 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 does. <laughs> this could be a podcast. A podcast? Don't you have to be some sort of whiz kid to do those? Uh, definitely not. Anyone with a computer can make one. Talking telly. Use your ears and trust them. This is the Custard TV podcast. Yes, that would entertain me briefly. From thecustardtv.com. Have you had any kickball injuries though? Regardless. Yeah, I mean, I've been playing for over a decade in this one league, so yeah, I've gotten hurt. <laughs> that's all we're getting <laughs> but i've seen things guys on today's show we will be talking about then you run on uh sky max uh which is sort of like a crime caper i would say uh the second season the after party on apple tv and on prime video uh the horrors of dolores roach uh but first uh guys what have we been watching mo i'll go to you first as we haven't spoken to you for for a little while probably the biggest thing i've been watching and enjoying star trek strange new worlds uh which is back superman and lois which is very much a family drama and with some cgi battles um <laughs> honestly i've been trying to catch up on some stuff uh for instance i never finished the diplomat on uh netflix so i, I was trying to yeah. finish off finish that off catch up on cobra kai i've been keeping up with uh, Dis- uh, uh secret empire Secret Empire, Secret Invasion. It's been perfectly fine as a Samuel Jackson vehicle, but I think in terms of plot, we just need it to move along a bit. Olivia Colbin is Olivia Colbin in this, and yet <laughs> in one episode you have her crawling through like drainage pipes to escape some hitmen. I mean, <laughs> it's probably not the best use of some of its actors. Dawn, are you like me, still watching Hijack? Because I watched the third Hijack. 
I haven't seen that. Oh. And that's one thing. I, despite all I'm the excitement, on something. You are, you are. I, but it's because of uh, another show where a show we're going to talk about. My focus was elsewhere. Yeah. Uh, and I, I wanted to finish Girls Five Ever, which I did. It is one of the most laugh out loud shows I've ever seen. You're watching it on your own. You don't often laugh out loud, but I, oh, the lyrics to their songs from the the 2000s are hilarious. And even my husband, I've been watching it sort of at tea time while I'm cooking, and he's like started enjoying it, and it's just hilarious. Uh, I finished Deadlock, which was amazing. It had a really, really satisfying and good ending. One show I'm not watching <laughs> is a Single Drunk Female. I went to watch the second season on Disney and didn't realise it was one of the shows that has been wiped from existence. So it did gone before I even got a chance huh. to see so I'm really sad about that. So I really this is one of those ones that's been been yeah. dumped. Hulu have dumped it. I I, I knew it had been cancelled after the second season, but I just thought, okay, well, fair enough. But I'll watch the second season, and then I went to watch it, and it doesn't exist anymore. So that's made me really sad because I didn't enjoy it. Um, and I also finished Ruby speaking, which I think really found its feet as it went on, and I hope there's going to be a second series of that, you know, because ITV commissioners listen to the the Custard TV yeah, podcast. Yeah, of course they do. And, and they really care what I think, so I'm telling them, make a second but, series. Of but <laughs> someone who did care what you thought last week was uh, Jade Adams, who actually listened to yes, the review. Yes, I saw that. That was very exciting. Thank you, like, Jade. Thank you, yeah. She listened to me like I know what I'm talking about. I mean, I do, obviously. But, yeah, you know. of course, yeah. <laughs> And as I said, yes, I watched the third episode of Hijack. I think it's absolutely excellent. I think mm. they've got that uh, edge of your seat thing just right. They've done well with the stuff on the ground and in the air. This episode was based around tension, around something else that's going on. I don't want to spoil very much, but the guy who's sitting next to Idris, Hugo, the really sort of toffee guy who sits next to Idris Elba on the plane is sort of a, a main player in this one and there's o- there was only one thing that slightly rankled me, which was because it's to do with my job. There was a scene where Max Beasley was using police computers and they didn't look like how ple- the police <laughs> computers actually look. And, you know, when there's those things that you know that that's not how it works and they use it, obviously, for a plot point. But it just it saw it got me a little bit. But apart from that, it's just, yeah, I, I, I it is. The, I think the biggest surprise this year is Hijack because. Mm. I don't think anyone was expecting it to be as gripping as it is. You know, Idris Elba's just uber cool, really, isn't he? So That's what I'll watch while I'm eating my pizza after this. Oh, I'll there you go. Yeah. Episode three. <laughs> <laughs> just before we get to the reviews, uh, let us do the plugs. Mo, um, have we got any um, upcoming Geek Confidentials to talk about? Yeah, we actually did record an episode about a week ago about summer movies we've watched thus far. So that should be coming soon. You'll you'll see in there that we we dragged a movie pretty thoroughly. One that probably wouldn't be any surprise to, to most folks. If well, you have to tell movie. you have to tell us. Well, it was the Flash. The Flash. Uh, okay. Let's just say, and my my feelings are, how do you have a Flash movie when you don't even recognize the fact that there have been two Flash television shows? You don't acknowledge either one of those in this film. That's a big question mark. What have you enjoyed, Mo? What the being the the hits of the summer? Not to sort of give major things away, but <clears throat> uh, across the Spider Verse. Mm. 
Which links into something this week as well. Yes, which which links into the shows that we're <laughs> going to be discussing this week, yes. And what is your anticipation level for Barbie is my final question for me. It's really high. <laughs> really, really high. I had a discussion with, with my partner about it the other night, and actually she hadn't seen the newest trailer. So when my mother-in-law was over, the three of us sat down and watched the Barbie trailer, and, and we had this whole discussion about it. So we're definitely looking forward to going to see Barbie. Um, Oppenheimer is probably going to be on the back burner for us. <laughs> Barbie first, then Oppenheimer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Dawn? Any Barbie thoughts? Uh, yes, I'm very excited that Sharon Rooney is one yeah. of the Barbies. Uh, just, I love her, obviously, Two Doors Down and My Mad Fat Diary, two of my favourite shows. So I'm so thrilled to see her in it. Um, I do not go to the cinema, but I will see it when it comes out on streaming. I don't like going to the cinema. The well, last it's too film expensive I... now. <laughs> well, yeah. £17.50. What? The last film I went to see was the last Indiana Jones film, funnily enough, Crystal Skull. And, you know, there's a part well, of me... 2008. Yes. I just would rather be at home in my pajamas. So um, <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. I would like to see the, the new Indiana Jones film, even though I'm, I don't think it's br- going to be brilliant. But I would just like for the because I've seen them all at the cinema, so it would be nice to complete the collection. You know, yeah. you only get out of the house to see Indiana Jones. That's yes. <laughs> like your, that's your brand. <laughs> and Mo, just where can we find uh, Geek Confidential? Well, Geek Confidential is available on uh, all your pod uh, catching services, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. We're also available on Facebook. Uh, we're still on Twitter for as long as, you know, folks are on, Anyone on, on Twitter. Anyone on threads yet? Anyone on I threads? I am. Yes, I'm on threads. <laughs> yeah, the same with the Custard TV podcast. You can find us on all your apps of choice. Please uh, rate, review, subscribe over there. If you would like to get in touch to be part of the podcast, uh, you can contact us via Twitter. I'm at Matt's TV, but it's Luke's at uh, Luke Custer TV and at Custer TV pod is the podcast. Uh, we are on Facebook, the Custer TV uh, and uh, yeah, everything you can find on the Custer TV dot com, um, including uh, recent reviews from Dawn of Deadlock and from Tyler about uh, Black Mirror season six. We've also got what's coming up weekly and further in the future as well uh, on tv so uh, that is all the plugs done uh, let us uh, journey over to the reviews and first uh, on the docket tonight is uh, then you run this is a skymax drama it is based on a novel of whose author i cannot remember off the top of my head uh, but I could tell you it's adapted by uh, Ben Chanan who bought us Cyberbully and most recently two series of The Capture on BBC One. So then you run begins with a, a very cold open in uh, mm. which we are introduced to serial killer The Traveller who we see in a very gruesome opening scene murder like a slew of people in a snowbound traffic jam which was I, I think probably made a lot of people quite anxious quite quickly. This happens in 2005. We then flash forward to the present. We meet Richard Coyle, who's playing an Irish drugs baron, Regan, who is berating his troops. And then he's looking for his brother, Orin. They find Orin in the steam room, frozen solid, with a, 
a TV remote control in his hands. How did he get there? Well, guess what? We have to do a Luke special, guys, and go back a month earlier where we meet Tara, who we learn is Orin's 17-year-old daughter. Her grandmother has just died, and because she's 17, she can't legally live alone. Her mother died in a, a car crash decades prior, so she goes to live with the dad. They've got quite an estranged relationship. He lives in Rotterdam. He's a composer. He also works for his his brother, Regan, who is drugs baron, I think is the best term to describe it, perhaps. After Tara discovers sort of what's going on, she demands that her friends Nessie, Ruth and Stink join her in Holland. However, upon their arrival, they are struggling to contact Tara and go off on their own sort of little adventure before finally getting in touch with her. She leaves them like a garbled voicemail. They find her in like a sort of semi-comatose state and she basically goes through the events of what happened, you know, on the way to them getting there and just exactly what happened uh, to her father as well. So we sort of put the pieces together uh, by the end of this first episode. I will go first to uh, Mo. What did you make to Then You Run? Well, definitely the, the Luke special did not help get me engaged with, with this show. I definitely enjoyed the cold open, literally a cold open, when you have the Traveler killing people on that frozen highway. One of my frustrations was I don't feel like we introduced this plot from 2005 with the Traveler. Then we jump to the present. Well, we'd rather have two jumps in, in the present time. My frustration is, is that Unless I missed something, I don't think that the Traveler is mentioned, the events of that cold open come back up, which is very frustrating because by the end of the episode, we find out how Orin ends up frozen. Things have kind of come full circle with that that plot thread, but then you still have the Traveler hanging out there, and we're like, where's this going? Uh, I saw that the show was described as much more of a crime noir dairy girls and i'm like where are they getting that from because while we did four girls mo that's where they're getting it from (laughs) anything with four women now is going to be compared to dairy girls that's a poor shorthand because the fact is if you're going to compare something to dairy girls you've got to lay the groundwork in the relationship between the four leads which they didn't really do because the four leads are separated for a good portion of the first episode and i can understand you want to separate them after we get to know them but i had trouble initially distinguishing stink from ruth And later on, I figured I was able to figure out each of those two characters, but I had some initial trouble with them. And I felt like Nessie was just the butt of the jokes. It was just like, I could see where they were trying to make those sort of connections to Dairy Girls, but they didn't do the work needed to get there. So yeah, I I get what you're saying. You're saying that there's no establishing of of the relationships. And I think that that's critical for a show like this, because if you're, if, if you're essentially building this crime drama and all the publicity and the advertising I've seen for Then You Run is just really the four leads. I mean, again, I probably have only seen a limited amount of publicity, you know, the ads and so forth. But uh, Richard Court, I almost didn't recognize him. I had to look at him a couple times before I realized it was him. And, you know, again, he's continuing those 
roles as a ne'er-do-well, you know, like coming off of uh, Netflix's Sabrina and so forth. I'm, hopefully he's not going to be performing any sort of satanic rituals in this one, but, you know, having pouring having someone's finger disintegrated by pouring acid on it, you know, it's, it's probably close enough. I personally... It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at PenFed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Don't feel the need to continue with it. There's always going to be an audience for a crime thriller. I just wasn't invested enough in the four leads to want to continue on the journey with them. I, I agree totally that they didn't need to do the flash forwards. However, the timeline completely confused me. I think if we had the traveler at the start, that opening, and in fact, I thought, oh, he's a vampire. <laughs> <laughs> when he's going into the cars, and then I thought it was choking. there's some sort of supernatural element to yeah. it. I'm with you. I, I thought there was, and the, and the, it didn't go away because then when we saw Tara looked like death, I thought, oh, she's been hit by a vampire. And then there's another element of it about her mother, and I was like, oh, there must be a supernatural element to it. But I read up on it, and I was like, there's a hotel in Norway. There must be yes, some vampires. There must be something. <laughs> <laughs> That's genuinely what I thought. I thought Tara's from a family of vampires, and they live in this this hotel in Norway. So I had it completely wrong. <laughs> Should have been about vampire. I did think that the four girls are the best part of it. When they're interacting, that's when it comes alive. And I liked their bond and their chemistry with each other. And But Mo's right, there isn't enough of that. There's not enough of it built up at the start to care about them to then when we get to the point where they're all in trouble. I, I, I love, I think her name is Vivian Opara, who plays Stink. She was the lead in the film... Rylene, a uh, rom-com which I saw uh, maybe a month or so ago and I really enjoyed that. She's very charismatic. On Disney lead. Plus, yeah. Yeah, she is a good lead here. She's definitely the lead above anybody else, I felt. Um, and, you know, she takes initiative to move things along, shall we say, in the plot. I just thought, the scenes with them, there was some humour, but the rest of it was so dry and dark and you know, I just, I was a uh, more gangster dealing drugs. I just didn't care about, you know, Richard Coyle's whole part of it. I watched the second episode just because I wanted to see sort of where it was going. And we do mm. see the traveller again in the second episode. The end of the second episode feels like it's the end of the first episode. Because <laughs> they get to, in the sense of they get to a point in the story where it's like, okay, it's now. It's clicked you, now, you know, yeah, right, what's every, happening. Yeah. Everything's set up and this is what the story is going to be. So I don't know if maybe they should have found a way to do that, put them together or something. It might have been better. But 
it's it's still not enough for me to watch. It's not it's not Derry Girls with murder. I thought that the four girls looked a lot older than the characters. That yes. was like I know it's the same with a lot of these teen dramas, but normally they find teens that these girls are all meant to be seventeen and eighteen. I I didn't think on the whole that they looked. Because that is a plot point that she's 17, so she has to go and live with her dad in, in Rotterdam. I just felt it very, very cold and very off-putting. And there was no one... Stink would be the only character that you sort of remember has got any sort of oomph to her. I think that's why you remember her, because she's got this personality. And as Mo said, you know, you don't get to see enough of the girls together to form this bond. You know, as you're saying, there's a lot of focus on Tara with us discovering the mysteries behind the family, the mysteries of what her dad does. Obviously, there's a big reveal in the first episode as well that we won't get into, but it sort of changes things a little bit. But I think you lose then the characters that you are meant to connect with. And I think that should be the base. The whole thing with the traveller was an interesting start, but I think you lost time there. And would that have been better at the end, perhaps? Because, you know, you've got that and then you've got the loot special, as you both said. And it's quite disconcerting and takes quite a lot of time to actually get to who our protagonists are. It left me a little bit cold, really. And it was sort of just there. And when it finished, I had no desire to to carry on. And it's a bit of a shame, really, because, you know, we've liked Ben Shanann stuff like the the capture. And as I said, back in the day, he did uh, Cyberbully with... Maisie Williams, yeah, yeah, Yeah. which I remember being really good. So I I, I think it is meant to be consumed, perhaps, in a block Mm. as a binge. All the episodes are there now. As you say, Dawn, perhaps that's why, you know, by the end of episode two, you sort of know where you are. But even then, you you said you didn't sort of Mm. want to stick with it. So, But yeah, decide for yourself, guys. Then You Run is all available on now uh, and is up there weekly on Friday nights on Skymax. We are now going on to the after party. This is on Apple TV Plus. Uh, we talked about this last year with uh, Mr. Mo Walker, myself and Luke. We mentioned Spider-Verse earlier. This comes from uh, Christopher Miller, half of the team with Phil Lord, who um, is involved, the, the producers, Mo, of the, and the directors of the Spider-Verse films. Writers, directors, producers on the first one in this writing and producing on the second one. I, right, believe, there, there, I believe there's a second director, another director on the second Spider-Verse um, film. But yeah, the after party is primarily Christopher Miller as the writer, uh, but Phil Lord is, is listed as exec producer. They, uh, they're also known for uh, Cloudy with the Chance of Meatballs, uh, the Lego movie, and the 21 and 22 Jump Street films. So the after party for people who didn't watch it the first time round, uh, which includes Dawn Glenn, who's now watched the entire first season, as have I, and that's what both of us have been doing separately this week. <laughs> we didn't have a shared birthday party and we didn't watch the after party together either. No, <laughs> no after party for us. But essentially the first series was all based around the murder of Xavier, who was this teen pop star and actor. And it was after a high school reunion. There was uh, Anik, who was the lead suspect. And we had Tiffany Haddish, who plays uh, Dana, the investigator who comes in and speaks to him. He relays what's happened on the night of the reunion and then what happens at the after party. And then she subsequently talks to all the other guests at the after party, 
they recount the same story, but it's told through different genres. So you've got, for example, like a psychological thriller, a cop drama. The Probably the most striking one in the first season is Anik's love interest, Zoe, who tells her story via an animation. And there's also a musical as well. So there's a lot of inventiveness, I think. And you can see that throughout uh, Lord and Miller's work. Uh, this second season... Uh, reunites us with Anik and Zoe and they are now a couple they are going to the wedding weekend of uh, Zoe's sister Grace who is marrying Edgar played by Zach Woods who is is he like a crypto guy is that yeah, something that like that. Of, tech yeah, guy or something. Tech bro. Yeah. He's keen to impress uh, Zoe's parents, but Anique is is presented as the bumbling sort of rom-com hero. He gets the opening story here as well, narrating to Dana the events of the wedding. He tries his best to sort of ingratiate himself with uh, Vivian and Fong, who are, the, who are Zoe and Grace's parents, but everything he tries goes awry quite quickly as with season one the weekend ends in tragedy as edgar is found dead by grace she believes he was sleeping and then when he wouldn't wake up he's dead upon the arrival of the rest of the wedding party Annick hypothesizes that edgar was murdered as uh, the groom's lizard Rox- roxana uh, was mm-hmm. seemingly poisoned along with her owner this discovery leads Annick to call on dana who has quit the police force and is currently uh, writing a book about solving the uh, the Zavi murder and uh, recounts uh, the events that led to Edgar's murder. Ultimately, Dana's finger of suspicion firstly points to Grace as Annick saw her crushing a pill into her late husband's drink. However, as with the first series of the after party, things aren't always the, as they appear. Now, Dawn, like me, you watched the the entire first season this week, and then um, I watched the first two of, of this season. I don't know about yourself, um, but what just on the whole about the after party and what you thought of this uh, the second season? I didn't go into it knowing much, and I absolutely loved it. I just thought it was so funny and so original, and the different genres work so well. Plus, you've got a brilliant who done it, which is always you know a good reason to keep you watching uh, week after week. And the cast is is so good. Obviously, in in both seasons, you've got a lot of big names and comedies uh, in the cast. And uh, Sam Richardson as as Anique is is just the perfect leading man, the bumbling, sweet kind, but a bit nerdy and everything goes wrong for him. Um, And I thought, well, why were they going to do it in the second season? And I, I assumed at first that it wasn't going to be connected to anybody. It was just going to be a coincidence that they were there. But obviously, it's her family. But it's still believable. They've, they've set up a big situation that is very common in films. And, uh, you know, they, all through the first episode, they make references to it. It's, it's episode is called Anique 2. You know, and this is Anique the sequel, uh, a rom-com sequel. Like, meet the parents or father of the bride to all these similar kind of of comedies where everything goes wrong you're trying to impress the family and at weddings of course everything's heightened and they've added so many layers of story into it that you it could be anyone that that committed the murder um elizabeth perkins as the uh, edgar's mother is fantastic and there is a brilliant scene where anique just sees her bouncing on a trampoline in a, in a bald gown which is such a great callback uh, to big I like the, my mother would be here, but she's busy with silence and alcohol. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
Yes, there's so many classic, you know, good lines and Jack Whitehall is in it as the sleazy best man, uh, playing that perfectly. He's very sleazy. Um, I did watch two, ep- two episodes because I watched Grace's his story on in the second one. I think the first two are both going to be available this week, so yeah, if you want oh, to talk about yeah. that, you can. Because I, I, I did want to see how they're introducing the new characters. Grace's version of events is a kind of Bridgerton um, romantic period drama on how she met Edgar and their unusual relationship because she's very sort of outgoing and lovely and he appears to be neurodivergent or, or you know something of he's very quirky and odd says what he thinks he doesn't like public speaking which gives way to the vows box which he called you know, an upside down um, coffin that they put on their heads to say they're vows in because he doesn't like being in public and there's a great physical sequence of of Anique trying to put the the box on the head on their heads and say, "I'm going to use Grace as a fulcrum. Please don't use my fiance as a fulcrum." <laughs> it's fantastic. It is the easiest watch you will ever watch. It's so funny. Everybody is likable in in the sense of obviously you know there are baddies in it like Jack Whitehall's character, but they're they're interesting to watch. You know they're they're baddies that are you want to boo at and and you know get involved with it's just the writing is so good and tiffany haddish her character <laughs> is just it's hilariously brilliant they comes in with her fast food and um, i feel like dawn if you were solving a murder you'd be quite similar <laughs> to tiffany haddish <laughs> i think i would that's that thank you that's a very flattering compliment yes you'd be you'd I be agree. like interjecting like oh i like that oh <laughs> Yeah, when she's cheering on uh, Nick's romance, and she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't fault this at all. There, you know, sometimes you think it's quite hard to say something when it's so good. You're just like, it's really good. Watch it. It's just so clever and innovative and refreshing and funny, really funny. I think because we watched the, the series, again, not together, but we watched the <laughs> series, like the first and the second one, it, it's easy for me to compare them. Obviously, I haven't watched the full second series, mm-hmm. so the comparison might not be full. But I I find the actors they've cast this series are a little bit sort of bigger, maybe. They're mm-hmm. like, yeah, you know, like Ken Jeong as Zoe's father, Fong, isn't it? And um, Jack Whitehall, as you mentioned. And you've got John Cho as well as their mm-hmm. Funkle, uh, Ulysses, who comes in riding a horse and then oh, yeah. has... What was it? Goat's urine that he has a Anique drink to uh, fermented goat's milk. Goat's yeah. milk, yeah, and to welcoming his part 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 of the family, which she then spits all over her mum Vivian. So, but these characters just seem a little bit bigger than the characters in in mm. season one. You know, obviously, season one was all based around people who hadn't seen each other since high school and all the resentments there and. It felt a bit more unique, you know, like all these deep held resentments, whereas this felt maybe just a little bit more like a murder she wrote episode. (laughs) You could easily, like Jessica Fletcher would always come to a wedding with one of her nieces and someone would die. And again, as you go on and you see the different genres, I think the unique episode is always, from the first two series, is always like the establishing exposition. All of the little sort of, foibles and things that he goes through seem a bit heightened but then like this is seen through his eyes isn't it I think that's mm-hmm. what you have to bear in mind when watching the after party is these events are 
seen through the eyes of the character, so are played out differently. But I still enjoyed it. But I just think because I'd just seen season one, I think I had like a fondness for like, I love Jamie Demetrius in season one as Walt. The guy's just like, Wait, nobody. What's his name? <laughs> Walt Butler. Cause but it, we're it, it just made me really smile it. at the end when she went, Walt, no one's going to forget you. He just goes, <laughs> yeah, Walt. There just was a bit more maybe of an endearingness to that. And maybe we'll get that here as well. I mean, I really liked Grace. I thought she was an interesting character, as you said, when she. She got to her episode and she's a lot more innocent than Zoe because obviously Zoe's quite hardened to life with her uh, divorce from Brett. <laughs> yeah, no, it's still really enjoyable. I did start the third episode, which is like a noir, like a black and white noir with Paul Walter Hauser as Travis, who's this ex-boyfriend. who's there. She's in, basically invited all her ex-boyfriends to her wedding. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And he's the only one that's shown up. But yeah, I, I agree with you about Sam Richardson. I think he's absolutely charming. And Tiffany Haddish, who I think is excellent. And she's got a, another episode in here as well, because her episode was one of the strongest of, of yeah. the first season. So yeah, I'm definitely going to watch it. And I think this is a chance for... Just to say to people, you know, if you like, you know, these crime procedurals, these murder mysteries, you know, like a Knives Out-esque thing, then Mm -hmm. you'll really enjoy the after party. I do think it sort of did get a little lost in the shuffle last year and hopefully people can sort of pick it up. I did not have a chance to rewatch season one of the after party this past week, so I didn't miss out on the party uh, that you two had or did not have (laughs) together. We had nuggets and everything, no. (laughs) I bought nuggets. Having a first episode uh, told from Anik's perspective really does help bring viewers like myself back in to the after party. And and for us having Grace and Anik and being able to build off of that relationship that they had previously, that helps when we're being introduced to all these new characters, whether it's uh, not Grace, uh, Anik and Zoe. And then it helps when we're being introduced to to Grace and to Edgar and then Edgar's mom, Isabel, and, and Grace and Zoe's parents. So it, it really does help to expand things out. There are these like little nuggets, these little events that occur that you get more insight into in future installments. So for instance, when Anique was out trying to take Vivian a charger, you know, you see this naked person running by. And for me, the naked person, I mean, based on the shape, it kind of looked like it could have been Edgar. And so I'm wondering, once we get to Edgar's installment, we'll, we'll see from, from their perspective what happened that night. So I love how we've already got 
these Easter eggs and so forth that we can look out for in future installments, the Danner Anik relationship, which was really great in season one, which is one of the strongest, I think, relationships and more established relationships in that in that first season. You can see where they easily fall back into those same habits. Um, and like you said, the introduction of, shall we say, bigger names as some of the murder suspects slash guests, I think really will help in terms of getting the show a higher profile. But like you said, it came at a time last year when there were all so many other things going on at the app, excuse me, going on on Apple TV. Well, I believe if I remember correctly, when season two of the after party launches, the only have a uh, hijack, but they'll also have the second season of uh, foundation about the start. And those are three completely different shows. So you do have a lane for a comedy vehicle like this, that is very easy to pop in and you watch it and you, you really don't, realize that 30 minutes 40 minutes have already passed that you really want to be involved in in this world so so i'm in fully engaged and i'm looking forward to the rest of the season i thought edgar was quite endearing i don't know if you felt that yeah so it was almost like as opposed to season one where you've got a murder victim who you can understand why everybody wanted to kill him because <laughs> yeah. Dave Franco did such a good job in that first season. Here, it's almost like, oh, it's a shame he died because he was one of the only nice <laughs> nice people because he was on Anique's side and he, you know, as yeah. you say, quite like neurodivergent, doesn't do well in social situations, devoted to this lizard that's on his shoulder constantly. So I don't know, it's it's hard to say, oh, yeah, I sympathise with the guy who's died, but he's, he's not like a sort of a villain as you say, like like the first se- uh, first season, whereas, you know, there are other villains amongst the cast. That's just, as I say, it, it's having like a, sympath- a sympathetic murder victim, I'm not sure, as works as well. But like, we'll, we'll find out. And I, re- I, you know, I'm so glad that I picked this up again. And I think, you know, people should go back to, to season one before they start season two, because actually you'll get a lot more out of the the context of it. I'd love for some of the season one characters to come back, but I don't think that's going to happen, given this is sort of like we are locked down in this room with just these characters yeah. like we were in the first season. And I also like Dana's sort of thing about being in... She hasn't actually written any of the book yet. That's no. <laughs> uh, definitely like me. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it's uh, two episodes to start and then weekly... Uh, there's an extra two episodes. It's gone from an eight last year to a ten this year. Yeah, and that is um, uh, available weekly on a Wednesday rather than a Friday. I don't know what Apple TV are doing now because some things are Wednesdays, some things are Fridays. Anyway, can I, uh, can, hello. Can I just say I'm going to put my uh, Who Done It in, into the ring? I think the sister did it. There we go. You're listening to the Custard TV podcast, the official podcast of thecustardtv.com. We now move to um, our good friend ITVX. Uh, this week we have uh, The Effects of Lying. Now, this was a uh, one-off comedy drama film. It stars um, Ace Batty and uh, Layla Ruas. Uh, and Mo's just going to quickly uh, talk us through this. Yeah, I, I really don't want to give too many plot details because I think you have this is a, a really a film that you have to watch it and absorb it because the giveaway the critical plot details I think will take away from the experience 
Asabadi as Naveen. And we open with Naveen communing with his, his chicken, Perdita, looking forward to that brown egg. And then we kind of from there are introduced to some of the other cast members, including his wife, uh, Sangeeta, and then his daughter, uh, Simran. And along with uh, Simran's friend, uh, high school friend, Josh, who is seen sort of climbing over the garden wall. From there, we shift to parents and children butting heads. Simran has this uh, eating disorder that she's struggling with. She leaves the, the kitchen. She goes out into uh, out, outside and is smoking the cigarette. And it's clear that she's longing for something that she wants to escape from this. And things seem rather normal. And Naveen heads off for work. And then he really has this horrible day when he makes one decision, which is to go back home to get his phone. And from there, whether it's secrets that Sangeeta is hiding from her husband or whether it's it's secrets that Naveen has discovered about himself, there's secrets involving uh, Naveen's brother, uh, Harbinder, played by uh, Naveen Chaudhry. And ironically, you really have two East Ender villains, you know, <laughs> butting heads as brothers. <laughs> so, you know, I had to get that East Enders round in there. <laughs> and then, of course, you've, you've got some additional characters popping up. You've got Brian, who is some sort of compatriot of Naveen's, who's, who comes over to the house at a very bad time. And he's play, Brian is played by... Uh, oh, the Brown, Mark Williams. You have this, this additional secret coming into play involving um, Naveen and Harvinder's father... He's uh, Rishi uh, Sharma on Emmerdale, and and so there's a whole another la- see. Look, we got we look, we got the East. Layla Rue asked for some polyoaks as well. If you want to complete the yeah, set, really, yeah, she was hot. So where's there's no love for Corey in this film. I I, I will say that you know at a hundred approximately 120 minutes when I initially started, I wasn't sure what I was going to get, but by uh, the 45 minute period. I was really, truly engaged with the the characters. Um, I was reading the press packet and some other information about the film, and it was shot within 12 days on this micro budget. And really, it doesn't matter because what you need is drama, and you get plenty of that on the screen. I think there's such great relationships between the characters and the chemistry between them. And I think a lot of the, the discussions between characters, whether it's Naveen and Simra about just what they want out of life. Really heartfelt father-daughter discussions are really heartfelt. And I I, I do, I, I hope people, this does find an audience. And I know it's on ITVX, but hopefully it will it will expand from there and and even make its way across across the Atlantic as well over here. Because I, I think a lot of people would enjoy it if they see it. I found this a bit of a slog, to be honest with you. It felt quite slow and quite sort of stilted, quite muted. I don't know if that's to do with Ace Batty's performance. He's playing, I suppose, what you would call sort of a apathetic character, someone who's just sort of going along in life, trying to do his bit, trying to be a good husband and a good father. But obviously, you know, things happen. It's one of those where you have to sort of stretch the believability to say, all of these things are happening on the same day to this man. There wasn't a lot of background music. I picked that up quite early. That a lot of the scenes, I, as I say, felt quite muted because there was no score playing in the back. I think because I noticed that, I obviously wasn't really engaged in what the characters were saying. 
it got better later on when you got a bit more context when you met the the brother's dad and you learnt a bit more the history of those characters you know the ace Bathy characters sort of heritage if you will this is um actually being aired as part of south asian heritage month the most interesting bits to me were where they were trying to sort of make points about asian culture and the expectations like um sangeeta the leila ruras character she's basically been promiscuous throughout the marriage because she was told you know that she wasn't allowed to have relationships with boys that she made the decision to early on to be with the sort of the more sensible brother um and sort of her like have it almost like having to repress her sexuality has sort of come out in sort of strange ways there's the story about how Naveen was born and and the social aspects to that not to give away as you say the plot points but there's there's bits there when I was seeing that I was like oh it's a shame really that I haven't really connected with any of these characters because I can see what what they're going for and I can see what they're trying to to sort of iron out and give us but I just because I didn't ever get on with the characters. I never believed them as anything more than things written on the page. I, I didn't engage with it. What about you, Dawn? Where are you on this? Yeah, I'm afraid I'm more in, in your camp. It, it felt to me like like an A-level drama in the sense of, <laughs> you know, when somebody writes something for the first time and they go, we have to put all the problems in. We're going to have eating disorders. We're going to have... Infer- um, you know, infidelity, we're going to have all these, you know, secrets come out. That It felt like they were throwing everything at it. I just didn't like Ace Batty's performance at all. It made me think about two similar characters that we've had recently, which was um, Adil Akhtar's character in Sherwood and Amit Shah in Happy Valley. These same put-upon husbands who are kind of lost themselves and, and don't know where they fit into life and but, you know, that same kind of, of, of character, which I just didn't believe him. I think that's the problem. I really enjoyed Leila Ruras. I wanted to see more about her side of things. And I felt like what was given was a bit two-dimensional. As you say, when she talked about her, her youth and, that you know, her sexuality had been stunted in this way because of the expectations, that was really interesting. And I would have enjoyed seeing more of her and that character because I think that's something that's quite um, an original story we don't often see that you know a woman in her late 40s who's sexually adventurous <laughs> we'll describe it that way um, you know because she had had family expectations that she would be a good girl when she was a teenager I, I mean I enjoyed the, the Simran there's something very sad happens in the middle and I don't feel it had the weight that it should have done because it was mm. lost in kind of chaos. And you could feel the scenes where they thought they would get laughs as well, because this is billed as a comedy yeah. drama. There's the scene early on where the, the father and daughter are listening to the mother have yes. relations, <laughs> let's just say. I mean, I didn't find that funny at all, but it felt to me like... And again, I think it's the lack of music like leading the audience in mm. terms of how you're meant to feel because yeah. normally you would get that. And it can be quite manipulative, but you need that, I think, to sort of set the tone because there's like, occasionally they play this sort of like plinky plonky score <laughs> <laughs> to, to use a descriptive term. 
but sometimes they would literally have nothing in the background which i think is quite i think is quite rare and yeah. i think just led me to just it, a lot of it sort of fell flat which i think is what you're saying as well and every yeah. as it went on characters would just recite big speeches which i don't know is what your sort of the a-level yeah. drama is a bit yes that's what it felt like so, yeah it's really no i was gonna say so with regarding the the, the scoring and mm. I, I think that maybe i'm i'm sort of grading on on a little bit of a curve because again i understand this was a micro budget film soundtrack editing scores those things cost money which can enhance a, pro a product but at the same time for me i'm thinking about how heightened everything is because you've got a lot of soap actors in here so to <laughs> me this translates to oh it's just a film and it's a soap opera and so i'm going with it in terms of the dialogue, yeah, some of it's a little long-winded, but I mean, you have a great line like, "If you're gonna fuck grown-ups, you're gonna <laughs> deal with fucking grown-up consequences." I mean, that's a great line. I mean, like, <laughs> and the manner in which it was delivered was fantastic, and there was a lot of energy in that scene and those performances. So you can't always grade everything the same way and judge mm -hmm. everything the same way. You have to sometimes take into context the resources that were available yeah, fair, fair. For, the, for the product. I think it just, it didn't have like an, an effect. It wasn't just, that wasn't the only issue, but I think, you know, I think they were going for something deeper and they never, they never got there for me. I, I think it was a lot less than the sum of its parts, but that is a fair, a fair comment though. You know, you can judge for yourself. It's on, uh, as we said, ITVX now, that's uh, the effects of lying. And finally, something completely different. <laughs> Prime Video seems to this year be doing a sort of trade in almost sort of like schlocky, like, mm. um, I don't know how you would describe them, like B-movie-esque things. We had Swarm earlier in the year, mm -hmm. I think, which the three of us reviewed. And now we've got The Horrors of Dolores Roach. And um, Dawn's just going to give us a bit of background. Dawn, how many of these did you watch? Because I only managed to get to one <laughs> in the end. Um, on Friday, I had really bad vertigo, so I had to stay in bed all day. So I ended up watching the entire season. That is not necessarily a reflection that I think this is the best of all we watch no. today. Um, it just so happened that I and they're only them. small episodes. Aren't yeah, they, they're so. short episodes, and you know, this is a, a monologue, and then it became a, a dramatic podcast. And these elements are sort of referenced in the the opening of the show. Um, we see that there is a play called Dolores Roach, and it is about this woman who um, became a serial killer. Uh, after the play is over, the actress de who's depicting Dolores is in her dressing room when who turns up but the real Dolores to say, you've got it all wrong, let me tell you the real story of what's happened. And so we get the the story of Dolores Roach, uh, and she narrates her own story. Um, Dolores is uh, from Washington Heights, and she's Latina. She was living with her boyfriend, Dominic, who and they were drug dealers. Uh, they were raided, and she goes to prison for 16 years because she hits a policeman uh, in the process of arrest, and she refuses to give any information about Dominic staying loyal to him. When she gets out of prison, she returns to Washington Heights to find the entire place has been gentrified. There is still drug dealing, but they're selling to white professional mothers instead of the, the local um, people that she grew up with. 
So she is delighted to see that there's one shop that she still remembers from her era, and it is the empanada shop. When she goes in, she discovers that Louis, uh, who was a boy when she left, now a man, and he'd taken over his father's shop. He recognises her, is delighted to see her, and offers her a place to stay on his late father's bedroom until she can get back on her feet. Dolores really tries. She wants to get back on her feet. She wants to be legit. She wants to be a masseuse. She had learned many techniques from her cellmate in prison who uh, was a masseuse who had lost her hands. She wants to use these skills to become a, a, a legitimate masseuse. But of course, when somebody she goes to a salon, she gets refused when they find out she's been in prison. So she sets up illegally in uh, Louise's basement and that the first episode doesn't actually get to the heart of the story, but it goes on episode sort of two and mostly three. This is a Sweeney Todd gender swapped modern day. Dolores becomes a murderer out of necessity at first and then just because people upset her and her partner Lewis um is who is completely in love with her and has been since he was young. He is a, a fan of different flavours, so he decides to destroy the bodies by putting them into empanadas, which everybody loves, and they become a big hit, and they make money. But uh, as the story goes on, obviously we see the progression of the spiralling down of Dolores and the situation, and every time she tries to get a grip on it and thinks she can try and get back to normal, it unfolds more and more. It's very dark, and it's very schlocky, it doesn't get hugely explicitly gory until later in the season. But the first episode gives you a good hint of that when we see him in the kitchen chopping up meat and, she, you know, um, visceral, <laughs> it flies into her face and, and to give you a hint what you're going to be dealing with later on in the series. Um, it stars Justine Mikado, who was the lead in One Day at a Time, which I mentioned a few weeks ago when we were talking about Primo. She's fantastic. There's also... Uh, other great stars such as uh, Judy Reyes who we probably know from Scrubs is the local drug dealer now Marcy and Cindy Lauper who makes a fantastic scene <laughs> as um, a theatre usher slash private investigator which is just poker face written all over it there many people by the end meet a sticky and delicious end <laughs> I mean there well, are clues to what happens in that opening episode aren't yeah. they? they they sort they of give you what the the horrors of Dolores Roach are by like in newspaper articles and things like that one thing that I should have mentioned as well is this is uh come from Blumhouse who are sort of known for these sort of um low budget horror movies is that right Mo yeah no no that's actually a perfect example their their projects are actually fairly low budget and they're really popular this isn't my type of genre because I'm not big on on a lot of horror. I felt that uh, Justine Machado's was very compelling as as Dolores, and it's clear that she's channeling something very different than uh, her character on One Day at a Time. I mean, it's I love her description of New York, of, of Washington Heights, when Rudy Giuliani was still the mayor. It was post 9/11. You know, that was basically all the information I needed to kind of get the scene, especially you know, explain you know how you know, she was living the high life as drug kingpin's significant other until she went to prison. And then I love how when we see her get back to Washington Heights, 
we see that there's a Chipotle there. And to me, that just that just signals, you know, OK, gentrification has occurred. It's here. You know, all they needed to do was just show a Starbucks and, you know, you were just locked in. Um, Luis, when I was watching him cut that meat, I was thinking about Hannibal and, and those scenes in Hannibal when they were cooking the food and so forth and those sort of visceral scenes. It just the pigmentation wasn't as bright as, as in Hannibal, but that's what it reminded me of. And so, you know, that so it doesn't surprise me, Don, when you mentioned later on that human body parts end up in the empanadas. You know, I just kind of figured something like that was going to happen. And I started kind of clutching my, the chair I was sitting in when he was doing the meat cutting. I've only seen one episode of this. I'll be honest, I'm I'm on the fence about whether or not to continue because again, it's not really my type of genre. Because I, I, I can, at times, weirdly enough, it can be kind of squeamish, but I think just on the performances, particularly Justine Machado's, there's enough there. I definitely want to check out the second episode and then make a decision after that. I'm sort of, as I said, I did want to watch the second one, but I didn't just didn't get time in the end. As you said, Mo, you know, this commentary on the gentrification of the neighbourhood. I, I do like there was the comment, obviously, she's gone to um, prison for this dealing. And now when she comes out, she learns about like dispensaries and stuff and how much things have changed uh, since she has been in prison. I also agree with both of you. I think Justina uh, Machado, just she sort of sells it, doesn't she? I think that's the best way to say, it. you know, all this sort of you know, unbelievableness of the plot. She sells through her performance. I wasn't a massive fan of the framing device, if I'm honest. You know, the the hyper-exposition about everything. It does feel a little bit lazy. But again, because we've sort of framed it against that this is her narrating her story to the woman who's sort of playing her in the stage play, it works to an extent. I will give it another shot. I don't know if this is going to be one that I, I will remember, but I, I think if you like that sort of like low budget horror with a twist, then this is definitely for you. And obviously Dawn enjoyed it because she's watched it all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it reminded me, you know, we reviewed the baby. Uh, uh, it kind that was of last, last felt... year, oh, about a year ago. Okay. Okay. Some time ago. You're right. It was a year ago. Um, <laughs> it had the same kind of feel for it. And I watched all of that as well. So apparently I quite like, Load budget horror. <laughs> Who knew? But yeah, I think this is all on Justine Machado's performance. And, you know, it is a bit disengaged brain because there's not a huge amount of explanation. There is one really good scene about uh, her partner loses his story and why he's so traumatised. But other than that, there's not a lot going on. You've intrigued me with the Cindy Lauper thing, though, I have to oh, say. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's silly, you know. If you try and poke holes in it, it will it will shine Burst. a lot of light. <laughs> yes, yes, quite. Um, and one thing I wanted to say was the the character of Nelly, played by a trans actress. I realise I'm defeating the purpose by saying this, but I just wanted to give it praise. Is that there is only one very small reference to the fact that she is trans later on in the series, and I thought how refreshing, you know, to just have, especially in Washington Heights, in such a diverse area, you know, that there is going to be a lot of diversity and it's just accepted. And I thought, oh, let's have more of that. That's all there on Prime now, the horrors of uh, Dolores Roach. Yeah, and that's us for today. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, thank you to uh, Dawn and to Mo for joining me. Do you want to just quickly run through uh, where we can find you online? And Mo, we'll start with you. Right now, you can find me on 
Twitter for the time being. I'll probably be migrating to some other platform soon, uh, or right. it's at least <laughs> threads. Thread. I mean, Mo, you moved to Mastodon briefly, didn't you? In the I, I did move to Matt and Hive. <laughs> and actually, you know what? I haven't been updating those in, in quite a while. And once Elon stopped me from essentially like <laughs> uh, linking my Mastodon and Twitter accounts, you know, the activity over at Mastodon really slowed to a crawl. On Twitter still is at Dr. Mo 77 Yes. You got into a bit of a rant about social media there, Mo. Yeah, so I I know, I know. <laughs> um, uh, Yeah, I'm on Twitter still at Don Glenn too. I'm also now on Threads and Instagram. Obviously, they're linked at Ikaloshu. That's I K K L E O S U. There you go. And I'm at Matt's TV Bites, Luke at Luke Custard TV, and the podcast at Custard TV Pod. Instagram, it's the Custard TV. Please follow us there because Dawn is very good at updating things. It's probably the the best of our social media channels to follow us on. But you can also find us on Facebook. Just search the Custard TV. And if you'd like to get in touch and be part of the podcast or contribute for the website, we're always looking for sort of new voices. There is a join us tab on the website, thecustardtv.com. Uh, you can contact us on the social medias we've gone through or you can uh, email us, custardtvreviews at gmail.com. Um, or if you just see us on the street, you can shout at us and just say, oh, yeah, I want to be on the show. <laughs> Next week, uh, we have got several uh, returns. We've got the return of the bear. We've got the return of the great, um, as well as the sixth commandment uh, on BBC One. So until then, uh, thank you for listening and goodbye. Good show. The best and the worst on the box. People arrange their lives so they wouldn't miss their favourite programme. It's the Custard TV podcast. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.